There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Katie Welts is a storyteller specializing in the digital mediums of influencer, PR, and social media. She's passionate about clean beauty, healthy living, and all things wellness. She's built her career around passions, working for brands like Whole Foods Market and Vega. She currently leads partnerships and PR for Native, a clean personal care brand best known for their aluminum-free deodorant. Her mission is to introduce people to new brands and ideas that will help make people happier, healthier, and more in control of their lives. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. All right, Katie, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, First and foremost, how are you and where are you quarantining? I am doing really well, and I am quarantining in sunny Concord, California, which if you're familiar with the Bay Area is like 30 miles outside of San Francisco. And is this where you grew up? Is this where you live? This is, yeah, this is where I live. I've lived in the Bay Area for about five or six years now. I'm a California native, um, but I was born and raised in Southern California, um, Long Beach, just south of LA. I'm so jealous that you're in like beautiful weather in California. I feel like you probably have so much space. Do you? I, I do. I'm very lucky. Yes, we have a, a pretty big backyard. My Australian shepherd loves running around it. So yeah, definitely have a little bit of space. Enjoy the sunshine. Definitely blessed. Mm, what's your dog's name? Barrett. He's really a sweet guy. <laughs> How old is Barrett? He is about to turn two. Oh, he's a poppy. Yeah, he's very sweet. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I am a fellow dog owner myself. Um, Jojo is like a foster fail um, that we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, have you always had a dog or like was this something that you've always like really wanted for a long time? Yes, this is something I've wanted forever. I, my sister and my mom both have very severe pet allergies and asthma, and so we never could have pets growing up. Um, so Bear's my first dog. So my husband always jokes that uh, he's my dog because I just baby him and I'm so obsessed with him. But yeah, I'm really excited to be a dog owner finally. Oh my gosh. And you're spending so much time with him, which is probably so sweet in like the first few, like the first couple years of his life. Um, 
That's what, does he have an Instagram? <laughs> I feel like I have to ask this. <laughs> he does not have an Instagram. You know, a, a wise person once told me that you, every, everything that you open, you have like every mouth you open, you have to feed. And so starting a dog Instagram, I was like, that's a mouth I don't need to feed. <laughs> that so, is so fair. So he fair. makes a lot of appearances on my Instagram. So you can, you can definitely see him coming in there. Nice. Perfect. That's all he needs. He can be like a guest star role. He doesn't need to be a star. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. So I was real, we've, we've had this episode in the books for quite a while, um, that we scheduled this. And so I've been really, really excited to get you on. Um, we just heard, everyone heard a little bit about you, um, in the intro to the episode, but I always think it's great to hear from your words and your words from your lips, like just a little bit about yourself and like how you even got to working in influencer marketing in the first place. Yeah. So, um, I have always been interested in marketing. I knew that I wanted to sell consumer packaged goods. And I know that's a very specific dream, but I just knew in college, I took these classes and I, you know, you read Harvard Business School, these reviews or case studies. And I was just so intrigued by um, consumer packaged goods and, and how you can, can drive demand through marketing. And so um, I kind of had some health issues in college, you know, gut digestion and got really interested in, in the whole wellness trend, healthy eating and decided like, this is for me. I want to work in health and wellness. I want to work for a CPG brand. Um, and so then I started working, um, for a back then kind of blogger, um, I guess you would call her an influencer now, but running her social media channels, that was like my college internship. And it was such a great education seeing her work with brands, mostly in affiliate models, but really moving the needle, driving sales for these companies and being a huge part of that, leveraging her social media following audiences um, to you know, be a, a female entrepreneur, and um, really just making her own path in the world. So that was a super formative experience. And then I decided that I wanted to work more on the brand side. And so I worked for Vega, which is a, a vegan plant-based protein company. And then I went to work for Whole Foods Market and now I work at Native. So I really just was lucky and um, introspective enough to say, what am I passionate about? How do I want to pursue this with my career? And I feel like I've had a, a really great and formative path working both on the influencer side early on, working for a retailer and now being back on the brand side. Um, so I'm able to really like bring all of those unique experiences together in a, to create a perspective that I think just really gives me a balance to how I think about influencer strategy, messaging. Um, and yeah, so that, that's me. I, I'm still super passionate about health and wellness. And now, you know, I'm, I'm really focusing my brain on how to learn more about sustainability and be more eco-friendly. So that's my current path and, and what, I'm, what I'm super interested in, in right now and the skills that I'm looking to develop going forward. 
And that's so awesome. I was going to ask you, like, you know, it's, I definitely see that tre- that, uh, that through line of, you know, health and wellness and, you know, being a native right now, like there's certainly uh, an element to that. Um, and so I just, I don't know, I have a bigger question for you. Like, what, you know, given your passions um, and what you bring to the influencer space, like what's most important to you with the direction that influencer marketing goes? And of course, like part of the reason that I bring this up even is like, I feel like there's been a, a lot of like upheaval and there's been like a lot of talk about change in our industry, um, whether it's, you know, you know, coming back to our roots or whether it's, um, you know, just, just getting back to, or, or changing, you know, pay disparity, improving things left and right. Um, and everybody brings their own stamp to, to the industry. Um, and I love that you have the background that you do. I love that you work for a brand. So I feel like you have the opportunity to make such a sizable impact. Katie, if it were up to you and you could really see the industry go in a, in a, specific direction, what direction would it go in? That's a great question. And I think, you know, there's kind of two main trends that I'm seeing in the industry right now that I'm most excited about. You kind of touched on one, which is um, diversity, making sure that there is equal representation for all races, all genders, all, um, you know, orientations within influencer marketing. Um, I personally have made a commitment to bring natives and we're already super close to this, but making sure that at least 15% of the creators that we work with are black, at least an additional 15% are people of color. And then the rest can be, you know, whatever, but making that commitment to diversity, because I think it's super important that your brand represents your customers. And I love that brands are suddenly becoming aware of this and making commitments to move in that direction. So I think that's the first trend that I am super excited about. And so uh, happy is happening and I'm glad to be part of making that movement happen and come to life. The second thing is what you're talking about, pay um, transparency. I think there's so many platforms out there now that are trying to make pay more equitable across influencers. So marketplaces that allow you to compare prices. Um, I think once we get more transparency around what people are paying for things, what the value is that influencer marketing brings, we'll see those pay disparities shrink. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on with my team as well is, is making sure that we are being a positive factor in that as well. So doing, pay audits and making sure that we're paying people in the same range, um, making sure that people that are asking for a lot are delivering a lot and that we can actually back up those fees with performance metrics. And, um, you know, that's been one of the big learnings this year is really sharing out performance metrics with our influencer creator partners um, because it helps them understand how they can strengthen the partnership. And it also helps us justify what we're paying people and creating more of that equity. So that's, that's what I'm super excited about both, you know, 
more diversity and also reducing those those pay um, pay disparities. So definitely things that we're making huge strides for in the native influencer program and things that I'm super excited to see more and more brands take on in their programs. And that's really exciting um, to hear for a lot for so many reasons. Um, one, I mean, look, a lot of the people that are members of WIM um, tend to work on the agency side, um, tend to work uh, at platforms, whether it's like a like a social platform or you know some technology platform. Um, we have a lot of managers, but the point is, like, a, I think maybe one of the smallest. Um, percentages of people who are in the group um, are with brands. And I think the reason is because um, those tend to just be smaller teams, right? Um, so it's just less people to, to be members. So the reason I'm ex so excited to chat is because I feel like, you know, again, like I feel like you have the ability to really make a huge impact. Um, and you have access to all the information, to this really operative information that can really make a huge difference. So I love that we're talking about pay disparity. I mean, that has to be one of the core, like fundamental topics of our group, even before, you know, the past couple weeks, like we're a women's focused group. Um, so talk about pay disparity and how much that's existed for, you know, decades decades when it comes to women. Um, and so given the unique position that you're in and given the, the day, the, the, uh, the climate that we're in right now, um, you know, what, what are, what are the conversations like, um, in a brand where inevitably, you know, your, your loyalty sort of is split a little bit as I see it and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, from one perspective, like you do need to protect the bottom line of your brand. You can't go ahead and hand out influencers, you know, a million dollars a pop, even if you, you know, how much you love them. <laughs> um, but I, I said, I knowing this about you, and I certainly sense this from you, just people who are listening, I'm sure can too, you know, that you really care about this, the influencer marketing industry as a whole, and you respect influencers. And so you want to do right by them. So how do you strike that balance? Like what are incremental um, changes that could happen? What are conversations like um, while still protecting both sides, but still hopefully moving the needle? Yeah, I think you're right. This is something that that's personal to me. I think, you know, not to take us off topic, but I have experienced very blatant pay discrimination in my past. I had a, a manager tell me, I love hiring women because I can pay them 80 cents on the dollar. And he thought that was funny. And I thought, oh, wow, I wonder if I'm making 80 cents on the dollar. And I later found out that I was. Um, so I definitely, it's, it's, it's real. It, and it's something that is personally really important to me. Um, so I think, you know, the conversations internally can be challenging and how I think about structuring it is you can't have an influencer marketing program that is purely performance or purely brand building. It has to be both. And so making this commitment to diversity, I think, is embracing both performance and brand. It's saying we are going to, you know, continue to, to drive the results and drive the success that we are currently with our influencer program, but we're also going to invest in representation that matches our customer. 
we know that Native's customer is incredibly diverse. We know that she, um, it, you know, comes from all different races. Actually, our customers are over indexed in the, the black community. So we know that black representation is really important to us because our customers are black. So we want to support that community. And so that's the conversations that I'm having internally is we need to make this investment in discovering black talent and creators so that we can improve our brand equity, build on that equity and that trust with this community that's so important to our success as a customer, as a, as a business, and also continue to drive the results. So I think that's the conversation that we're having internally is, you know, not valuing one, or <clears throat> one over the other, making sure that we're balancing performance and brand building in our influencer marketing program. And that, um, that neither is sacrificed or that neither is written off just because we think it's hard to do the work to get there. So that's the challenge that, you know, I've um, chatted with my agency partners about and they are all really excited to meet that challenge. So, so that's the other thing I would say is if you have an agency partner that is not excited to make those diversity commitments or is not is pushing back when you say this is the right thing for our business that may not be the right partner. And there are partners out there who will do the work to help you make those commitments and continue to deliver results. And, you know, those are the partners you want to be working with. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for the teams that, that I work with that are so supportive and excited to do this work. And, and I think it's the right thing to do. And it's also going to be a great success for the company and it's going to deliver even bigger results because we've made this commitment. So first and foremost, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Um, cause what I hear is, you know, this horrible experience that you went through where, um, someone actually thought it was funny. You said to tell you that, um, like they're excited to work with you because they could pay you less. Um, that I can't even imagine what an experience like that was like. Um, how, how, like, what did you think in the moment when you were going through that? And like, how did you process that? Yeah, well, in, in the moment, they, they weren't talking about me. They were talking about an, another, you know, potential hire. Um, so I think the thing for me was, you know, it's important for women to be managers. It's important for women to be sitting at the table when we're having salary conversations so that they can speak up and not let that, that cycle be perpetuated. Um, and I think it, it was, you know, obviously something that I was very upset with. I'm still, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, what a, uh, yeah, just, and you know, he wasn't a bad guy. That's the other thing. It's so, it's so hard because you like this person and then you realize that they have this, this bias and it's not even, um, I think they don't even realize that it's about gender. They think it's about getting the most for their dollar, getting a deal. Um, or at least that's how I felt he saw it. So it, um, yeah, it was a really challenging circumstance, but I think the thing it taught me is, you know, I need to be a manager. I need to lead teams. I need to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people, that it doesn't perpetuate, that I am striving for pay equity and that I'm in a seat where I can, 
you know, make that happen for other young women that are coming up in the industry. And that is such a difficult conversation that is so relevant right now um, for so many reasons. Like you are in a position where you have some power, you have some say and influence. Um, and, and, and you're really, it's really tricky to navigate those situations. Like, cause arguably if it was about you or is directed towards you, it would be much more clear perhaps about like what to do about it. Like, you're like, well, I would just defend myself. Like I would fight for that. But like when it's not you, it's a more difficult decision to, uh, in, in, to most people, I would say, um, to, you know, fight for somebody else, like, to really stand up and make a difference for somebody else. Um, because that's just out of the goodness of your heart or, you know, based on your moral compass. Um, and so like that, just like, how did, how do you, how did you navigate that? Um, when you were in it, like I, I, how did you navigate that? There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Yeah. So I w- luckily wasn't involved in that, that hire. This was, you know, just a conversation within the company and I overheard it. I wasn't a decision maker in hiring that particular individual. Um, so yeah, at that time I, I didn't have a direct influence. And I think what I took out of it was that I needed to be in a position where I had a direct influence and that now I am, um, very outspoken. And I know there are people who roll their eyes at me and are like, okay, Katie, Katie, calm down. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge bias when I see it and call it out. And so I think it's, it's taught me, um, the importance of speaking up and the importance of letting people know when their behavior is wrong and when it's harmful to other people. Um, because, I think most people have good intentions and they don't realize the impact that their actions or the impact that their words have on other people. I think that manager had no idea how seriously I took those words and the impact that it had on, on me. And, you know, it's in the long run, it's benefited me because I know what I'm worth now. And I know that if someone's negotiating hard with me on a salary, I'm going to push back and I'm not going to just accept it because I'm excited about the work because (laughs) that perpetuates this system of underpaying women. So um, I think it it taught me a really valuable lesson about knowing my worth and advocating for that. And then also advocating for other young women who are, who are coming up in the, in the industry and making sure that when we're hiring, we're 
using, you know, pay scales that are, you know, commonplace. We have clearly outlined um, protocols for what pay banding is and what are the, the ways that you can increase that or decrease that. So I think that's been something that's been really formative and especially working for a small brand. Sometimes those things don't exist. And I think this experience taught me that it's okay for me to see a problem and say, hey, we need a solution for this. Here's my idea and put it forward. So that's one of the things that I think Native is really great about is anyone can come to the table with an idea, say, hey, this is something I see as an opportunity for the company. Here's a structure or a plan or a path forward for us to address this. And uh, leadership is super open to adapting it. So that's kind of what, what ended up happening is we have very specific pay bands at Native so we can make sure that that doesn't happen ever again. And that's wonderful that you are working for a company that supports that sort of, of the, that concept, um, which is fantastic. For any people who are, for any women listening who, you know, whether they're influencers or whether they're just up for a new role or being poached by somebody or whatever, and they're in an experience where they're going through some of these negotiations um, and advocating for themselves, which like, dang, that could be, that's the hardest. It's sometimes it's easier to add, like there are certain circumstances where it's easier to advocate for others and certain circumstances where it's easier to advocate for yourself. I've just found personally that, you know, if I'm negotiating a salary or anything for myself, it is way more difficult. Um, but besides my personal experience for people listening, like, um, what would you suggest that they focus on when they are advocating for themselves for when it comes to anything monetary, whether it's like, again, an influencer who is up for a campaign and they're negotiating rate um, or someone who works at an agency and, you know, is being uh, like asked to, uh, to negotiate a salary for a new role. Um, what do you think they should focus on? Like what would help them get what they're looking to achieve? Yeah, I agree with you. It's really hard for me to advocate for myself. It's actually easier for me to say, okay, no, we need to give this person what they're worth. Um, so the things that I would say have helped me is focusing on results. So going back to this is the contribution that I've made. And I think this totally applies to influencers. You know, one of the things that I always recommend to influencers is that they follow up with brands or the partners that they're working with and ask them for performance metrics. How did I do? Was if driving sales was the goal, how many sales did I drive? What was the return on ad spend? take those results that you get from brand partnerships and put them into your media kit and send it out for future partnerships. Cause I think results for past integrations are definitely predictive of results for future integrations. So definitely focus on um, metrics that, and, and results. Uh, I think for people working within organizations, the, the same applies. So, you know, or what are the two or three achievements that you're really proud of, campaigns you led, products you launched, what were the results there, and really lean on that to tell the story of what you're worth. And then I think also do your research, talk to people within the organization to understand that hopefully if you have a connection that works there, talk to them, even if they're not in the same department or working on the same team, can be helpful to understand just relatively 
if the company pays more than average, if they pay less than average. Um, so you can kind of understand what are the norms within the company and then you can do your own research to understand what are the norms within the industry, what are the norms within that geography. And I think that's really helpful is coming up with that range of this is what I know I want to make and you know, sticking to the high end when you're getting into those conversations. Um, because I think that's the, that's the trickiest thing is as soon as you give that number, you pin yourself down, right? Uh, it gives the hiring manager all the, the power to say, oh yeah, that's, that's way lower than we would have paid or, uh, and you miss out on that money. Or it's easy for them to say, okay, yeah, we need to come down in price because that's more than we're willing to pay. So those are, those are my tips. Focus on metrics um, and results. And I think it's easier for me personally to kind of detach and, and make it less personal and make it more of a financial transaction when I'm focusing on, hey, this is what I can bring to your company. These are the results that I brought in from my previous employer. This is the results that I brought in on this previous agency or this client that I was working on if you're pitching to, you know, move up within an agency. So I think focusing on those results allows you to take a step back, make it less personal, and really push for what you're worth. I that's all such such good advice. I hope everyone's literally taking notes right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's such good advice. Um, the only other thing I would like add to that is that to think like a business owner and to don't just don't think just like an employee. Um, and so it's all really, really just riffing off of what you were saying when you're saying like, you know, what value am I bringing? Think like a business owner because, okay, let's just use a round number and let's say you're asking for a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, you're at a hundred thousand dollars, but you know, you'd like 10,000 more, let's say. So think, analyze it, say like, how would I be able to bring 15,000 more to the company or 20 or 30,000 more to be able to justify that $10,000 discrepancy um, and explain that and dig into that more. Like think like a business owner, don't think like an employee. Um, that's the way, you know, you're talking to a business owner. So speak their language. Like you said, oh my gosh, do your research, talk to people, um, stick to your guns. Um, but understand the full picture because I could, uh, the other thing is like, what, what's a weak argument is just saying I'm worth it because <laughs> like, because I'm amazing essentially of, oh my God, you would never say that of course, but like the implication is there. Um, if you don't justify it in another way, um, if you're silent on it, they're just going to assume that you're saying like, I'm worth it because, and that's an answer that like a five-year-old would say. So you know, act, act as professional as you are, but think like a business owner and justify these things as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, if, if this person hasn't, you know, may, you're, maybe you're in a fortunate position that this person has known you for years and they've seen your results or, you know, they, they, they have faith in you and there's all these right things that they know. But in most instances, it's people that don't know your history. So just fill them in. Um, and it's, also such a great way to start out on the right foot. Um, and, you know, if you could leave anybody with some, you know, last words of wisdom, if they are in a position like you, where, you know, they're not necessarily like up for a position, but they're in a role where they can hire people. Um, what advice would you give people in that capacity who are negotiating, um, but on your side of the equation? 
Yeah, I think once again, do your research, have a range. Um, and when you're presenting your budget for the new role that you want to hire, or, you know, if you're hiring, replacing someone, um, make sure that that budget is, is commensurate to, to what's happening in the industry. So do your own research, find out the, find out the ranges for your area for that type of work and stick to it. Um, I would say, you know, oftentimes I've presented a new role or advocated to add people to my team and the result has been kind of lowballing. And I think it's important to push back at that stage and then also to push back once you understand uh, the contribution that this new hire can bring to your team. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely challenging. And I, I love that feedback you gave of think like a business owner. Um, so that's the, the what I always do is dive into the research. What is this person going to be bringing to the team? You know, what additional capacity they're adding for current team members who are going to be able to flex into even more responsibility? And um, what are what are the dollar values assigned to that? So um, you know, for native customer service is one of the things that we pride ourselves on. And so making sure that we have really talented community managers that are doing great work and are really engaging our, our social audiences is super important. And so I've advocated for our team to, to grow those roles and kind of separate those from the general customer service function because it's a little bit of a different skill set community building and you know I we've extended that to our influencer platforms as well to our influencer integrations making sure that our community managers are engaging in that content as well which I think has really helped us drive additional ROI there so just bringing all of those results and all of that capacity that your team that new team member is going to bring into the conversations with leadership who is approving that budget and, and do it early and then don't be afraid to go back once you have a really talented candidate that you think deserves more and um, make sure that you know you're you're bringing what their skills are and and um, and what they're going to bring to the team in terms of results to that conversation and have you ever just been in a position where it's like you just like you wanted it to align so much and it just didn't? And like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is if you've ever been in that position. Like, have you ever been in that position first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, specifically about pay. Yeah. Like if you're looking to hire someone and you're like, oh, this person is perfect, but like, you know, we're just not aligning here. I'm just curious if you happen to have gone through something like that and like, you know, did it eventually work out in the future or did it, was it just not meant to be or they, you know, like, I'm just, I'm curious, like, you know, the situations that didn't necessarily work out and maybe why that was and if there are any learnings from that. Yeah, I, I can think of an experience. And I, what happened was we, um, we ended up going back and, and changing the role. So we, we put out a job posting, we got applicants that we were really excited about, um, and then couldn't align on the budget with the leadership team, couldn't um, come to an agreement between that potential employee and, and leadership on what the compensation for the role would be. And so that candidate ended up having to walk away, which um, was 
disappointing for our team, you know, knowing what that person could have, could have brought to the team. Um, but I think it was helpful for us and we had to sit back, go back to the drawing board, look at the job description and, uh, water it down to be frank, uh, so that we could get someone whose, um, you know, compensation expectations were in line with, uh, the role. So I think, you know, that's, as a business, you often have to have those conversations. And at the end of the day, you know, businesses are there to, to make money and you have to be profitable and your teams have to be within, you know, reason to, to support the, the overall objectives of the company. So yeah, I think that was, that was helpful learning that, you know, sometimes the best talent isn't the best fit for the organization at that time. And you have to ensure that, you're still meeting business objectives and you can't have huge overhead in terms of salary because you're not going to be able to deliver the results you want to. So um, making adjustments and, um, you know, and being honest with candidates about that compensation at the front. So we went back and edited the job description and we're more transparent about the salary range just so we could make sure that we were attracting the right type of talent going forward. And there's, definitely something key to that about like just um, aligning in the beginning. Because I will say from personal experience, um, I had a situation where I hired someone who accepted a salary and then maybe like months later told me for the first time that they were like, you know, I took a huge pay cut coming here. And I was like, this is news to me. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> this is just my opinion. If it never, like that will always, you'll, if I were in her position, I would have always held this weird grudge, right? Like I would have just felt resentful about it. Um, but as a business owner, I, I can't even have the, I don't even have the opportunity to have that conversation or fix it or rectify it or do anything about it unless I'm aware so, you know, and I, I look, I, I do think that this is, uh, let's focus on the fact that this is like a female conversation. The reasons could have been like so many different reasons of why she was just like, okay, let's just say it's a great opportunity and I'm just going to accept it right away and not have a conversation. Have that conversation because getting all of that out there and starting off an opportunity like that and a business relationship like that on the right foot from the beginning will save everyone the, you know, so much potential stress later on down the road. Like it is so important to just start that relationship off right. Um, yeah. And, and don't be afraid to have those conversations. Like, I think that like, that's the thing. And I, like, I get it from a real world perspective. It's like, you have this really finite amount of time to, you know, to have these discussions, right? Usually a role is open for a reason and they're looking to fill it quickly. Um, and coupled with the fact that like, you know, there's a lot at stake, <laughs> huge amounts at stake in a lot of instances. And so, you know, the stakes are high and, and, and like we were talking about before, you're advocating for yourself, which is, you know, so difficult to do in so many situations. That's why so many other industries have recruiters. Our industry doesn't really have that as much, which is perhaps something that, you know, is a whole other topic of conversation that maybe that could change eventually. Um, but anyways, you know, it, it's, 
that's the upper, the upper, it might be hard to have those conversations. I would never discount that, but they need to be had for your benefit, for your employer's benefit. Um, and just to start it off on the strongest notes you have, you're giving yourself the opportunity for this relationship to be as, as great as it can. Otherwise you're, you're cutting it off before it even gets started. Do you agree with that? Completely, completely. And I, I agree also that it's hard, but, um, I think, the more you do hard things, the easier they become. And so just would encourage everyone to, you know, recognize this is challenging, this is painful, this is difficult and do it anyway. A hundred percent. There's so many instances in life where that's applicable, but we'll just keep it at this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep it at this for now. So I would also love, love, love to dig more into the awesome work that you guys are doing at Native. So um, one of the reasons that we had you come on when we did is because you guys are launching something really exciting. You know, I think that, you know, and, you know, we didn't, Katie and I didn't have a conversation about this podcast before about, you know, any of this beforehand. So I'm just saying this out of my, this is my own opinions. She didn't pay me to say this is what I'm saying. Um, I think you're the company, everything that I know about it, you guys are doing really good work and I love what you guys stand for. Um, I think it's a really interesting, um, so many interesting conversations that could be had around the products and everything. And like, we're talking about deodorant here, you know? So like, this is like, it, it, it there's, there is so much, um, it could just be a product on the shelf. It's um, not sexy. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> no one would make the argument that it is, but I think it's been so clever, um, what you guys have turned it into. Um, and that's one of the many reasons I wanted to have you on here today. I think it's a really special thing when we can have people on the show that are doing it right. So we can all sort of learn from you guys. So tell everyone listening a little bit about what you guys are about to launch or probably once this, uh, this air, this episode airs, it will be launched already. Um, so tell us a little bit about it first. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're so kind. I, I love the native brand and I'm super excited and passionate about the product. So um, very excited to tell you all about native plastic free deodorant. Um, this is something that we've been working on for a long time. You know, I manage our organic social team as well. And so social listening has, is a huge part of what I love doing because you get so much insight from the customer about what they want to see. And this is a product that was born out of social listening. There was a huge uptick and, and still is today in requests around sustainable packaging, specifically plastic free packaging. Um, and so our team has been hard at work figuring out how to make that a reality. And next Tuesday, uh, well, today is the 19th, but the 23rd, we're launching Native Plastic Free in five of our uh, most popular scents. So I'm super excited to be leading that launch, not just from the influencer's perspective, but also across the brand. So coordinating with all of our channel owners to make sure that this plastic free launch is the best that it can be. Um, and I'm, the other thing I'm really excited about, as I already mentioned, that I'm digging into sustainability in my own life. It's something I'm passionate about. But, you know, we're going to be donating 1% of our sales from the plastic-free deodorant line to an environmental nonprofit that's focused on stewardship. So uh, whether that's reforesting or, you know, reducing carbon emissions, like we're very excited to, to not only release this 
product, this packaging that's doing better, that's moving the conversation forward or moving away from plastics and towards something more sustainable, more eco-friendly. And we're also supporting groups that are doing work on the ground to make that easier for businesses that are coming in the future. So really exciting launch. It's a great product and um, I'm super excited about it. And it is exciting. I, I like, I've never worked for a brand before. So like, I'll just preface it by saying that. Um, but I've, ex- I've obviously worked with a lot of different brands. Um, and I'm just a straight up consumer. I- I'll just say even just as a consumer, I get, I think it's really, really cool when brands um, take what's going on into the world and into consideration and really um, amplify it. Um, and, you know, this, and what I think is like, equally, if not more cool, is like when you, when you guys sort of see uh, a problem and, and like go to solve it and talk about like deodorant. Like I don't really, uh, I've never really observed where a product like that, which is such a staple has really ever been like reimagined or, you know, no one's, I don't know, from a business perspective, it's like, is it even worth really like changing it, like changing the mold since it works well enough, let's say, and um, people obviously need it. They're going to buy it every day, but like really pushing the envelope and thinking innovatively, like I just can imagine that must be such a cool company to work for. Like what, like, like talk to us a little bit about what it's like to even work for a company that, you know, is excited to explore these types of conversations and really push the envelope. Yeah, this is something that's so core to who Native is as a brand. It's, we started off as like a tiny little deodorant company. We like bought a formula and sent it out to like 60 people. And this is in 2015 when the DTC world is just starting to um, come to life. E-commerce is pretty new. Um, And so um, we tested our formula. that was how we got to be where we are is we were so customer centric. We would put out new formulas. We'd say, Oh, tell us, give us feedback on this. Tell us how you like this. What are the things that need to be improved? And um, that culture has stayed with the brand. And so it's really great to work for a company where customer service and the social media team has a seat at the table in terms of product innovation. We can say, Hey, our customers are asking for, XYZ products and leadership listens and takes that into account and works with R&D and moves things forward to figure out, is this something we can even do? So I think that is something that's so cool about the company and that makes it really exciting to work there is that we are so customer centric and also makes it easier for me to sell products because I know that our customers like it because they've asked for it. So it makes me really excited to, to work and bring these products to life because I know that our customers are really excited about them. And talk to us a little bit about the culture of your company. Like how large is your company? Like what cities are you guys in? And like, I don't know, just talk to us a little bit about the culture. Cause I, I would assume that this type of company attracts a certain type of people and that they're looking to create a certain type of culture. So what's been created thus far? Yeah. Um, we are a pretty small team, but we've grown a lot. I've been with the company for two years now. And when I started, there were 12 people and now there are 20, 
five of us and we're hiring like crazy. So that's exciting to be able to um, see the change and, and the growth of the company over the last two years. Uh, I think the culture, what I always tell people is that it's very honest and real. People at Native come to work and they are their absolute true self, which is so refreshing and so great to be a part of. Um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. You walk through the door and there are such big personalities and no one is afraid to, to share what they're feeling or thinking or talking about. We often have political debates. We often have, um, you know, arguments about sports or pop culture like it's it's a it's a really great place to work because everyone is just so authentically themselves and there is space for that and everyone appreciates that about everyone else so I would say the culture is really really fabulous and I'm very blessed to work with a super talented team of marketers that just push me and challenge me every day to to be better and deliver more and like what a for well, it's just it's a great place but you know don't forget they have you too <laughs> so you know like i i i hear you and i know that those are genuine things that you're saying um but also recognize that, like they're grateful and lucky to have you as well and just don't forget that it's it is really important um you know, I, I want to dive into a little bit about the influencer piece of this all. Um, I would, I, with this new product launch, um, is there going to be an influencer initiative around it? There are. So kind of how we think about influencer is our, our core, our hero product is our coconut and vanilla deodorant. And so all of our influencer campaigns, all of our creator partnerships start there. And then um, as we see results, we, you know, have deeper conversations with the influencers about what they're excited about, what they're passionate about, because I think authenticity is the most important thing in influencer marketing. Having genuine, credible testimonials from creators who are passionate about your product and can speak to it. Um, that's the thing that we've seen really drive results. So we start with kind of our, our hero products. We get feedback from the influencer about how they like it. And then we move into what are the additional products that they're excited about. So the plastic free campaign is a hundred percent, uh, creators that we've worked with before. So renewals, uh, that are specifically excited about sustainability. Uh, a lot of our vegan creators, that's a, that's a, a vertical that we see a lot of success with, but their audiences are, are particularly excited about more sustainable packaging. And so that's where we've kind of focused our initial campaign. And so we'll be kicking that campaign off in early July. Um, busy sending out product samples right now to, to that, that whole campaign list. So uh, yeah, you'll see, uh, you'll see plastic free content in on YouTube and Instagram in, in July. And we're super excited to be working with influencers that are already excited about our brand and, and can help share this, this evolution with their audiences. That's so cool. And let's talk logistics about it. Cause I always do find it interesting, you know, so you have, um, a team within the brand that obviously works on influencer partnerships, but you, I think also mentioned that you do work with an agency as well. Is that right? So I am the team. Right. <laughs> I am the influencer team. <laughs> nice. um, I do have, like I said, I, we have an organic social team and the, in general, our marketing team is very like 
all hands on deck. Like you need help, you ask for it. Someone is there to, to, to jump in when you need it, which I love because I love being able to do, you know, more than just influencer. If we need help with out of home campaign reviewing creative, I'm like, yay, I get to look at this. This is awesome. Um, so very collaborative uh, team that's happy to help. Um, but uh, yes, we, we work with um, two agencies, one for YouTube and one for Instagram. And they are really leading um, the, you know, logistics work. I, I support with sending out samples, um, like creating coupon codes, tracking, but they really manage the heavy lifting um, once we've identified the strategy. So um, yes, and I mentioned earlier, make sure that you're working with the right partners. I think it took me two, well, a year and a half to find these partners, just experimenting with different agencies, platforms, to figure out what was gonna work best for us and where we were gonna see results. So I think, you know, don't be afraid to test and you know, definitely set aside test budgets if, you're, if you haven't found that right partner yet. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen tons of great recommendations on your Facebook page for different agencies or influencers to work with. So I think you guys are such a great resource for finding, um, you know, what are the right partners. But I think we went through, you know, six months of just testing, testing, testing until we found partners that really supported our program goals, were able to execute our vision in a way that worked with the limited resources we have. I know you talked a little bit about brands like Yes, we have a very small team. There are five people on the marketing team. And um, well, I guess there's more than that now. Like I said, we're hiring. I think there's like six or seven of us now, but um, still a pretty, pretty lean team. And so, yeah, we definitely rely on our agency partners and it's taken us a while to find that right fit, but I'm very excited about the partners we have in place right now. I'm sure that it was quite the journey to find the right partner. It sounds like it was. You're not alone. I'm sure so many other brands have gone through that as well. If you could, you know, spare somebody half of the time it took you or, you know, some of the headaches, what are some tips that you would give to other people who work for a brand looking for an agency that would help them get to the right one? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand how your organization is planning to what role influencer plays in your overall marketing funnel. Um, I think that was one of the challenges that we had early on is there was this pull between is influencer a performance channel? Is it an equity, a brand building channel? Is it an awareness channel? Is it a conversion channel? And the reality is it's all of those things, but what is your organization valuing the most? What metrics are you going to be held accountable for in your influencer program? And once you understand that, you can find a partner that is aligned to support those metrics. So for, for us, as I was building this program, our CEO was CPA focused. That was the only and I had to find, to weed through a bunch of partners who were giving me reports based on CPM and um, it just, our, our goals and our values and weren't aligned. And so that was, that was the biggest awakening for me was once I clearly understood, 
okay, I'm going to be held accountable for CPA and nothing else. I need to find a partner that is as <laughs> hyper focused on CPA as I am and run with that. So once I had that in mind, it, it really narrowed the list down and I was able to, to, you know, test a couple of different partners to find the one that was really going to, going to move the needle and be aligned to our goals. But I think that was the most challenging thing was, you know, coming from retail at Whole Foods, I led their influencer program and I, uh, it was really challenging to make that transition to go from awareness-based influencer program to a conversion-based influencer program. Uh, so that was definitely a stretch and a transition for me and something that was a tension early on. But once I just accepted that, you know what, I'm held accountable to new metrics. The partners that I used before were focused on awareness. I need to be focused on conversion. Now, how do I move forward? Who are the partners that can help me do that? And I'm, I had a lot of uh, knowledge shares. I would just reach out to people on LinkedIn and say, hey, I see you're doing the same thing as me. Like, can we, can we get together and chat? Who's working with you? And I think that was the best way. That's how I found both of the agency partners that we're working with today um, was through recommendations through other people working in, in, in similar industries at similar companies uh, in influencer programs. So definitely reach out. I think once again, women in influencer marketing is a great resource where you can ask those questions and get feedback. Um, so yeah, that's, that was one of the ways that we found success was just asking other people who had similar, similar goals. I appreciate the, you know, the, the recognition that the group could be a really great resource. Um, we try to be, but, you know, our group is only as good as its members. And I think that what you're saying is really a testament to our members for having like the courage and um, to, to share that information with each other um, because the people that do share in the common belief that if we share information with each other, we can make the industry stronger as a whole. Um, like I strongly believe that, you know, by another company doing good business that they do well, that it's going to allow me to do well also in my business because we're, we're, you know, we're, we're supposed to lift the entire industry up. And there are so, there's so much room for, um, for lots of different players in the space. There's so much room. Um, and so to just be able to share that information, a crowdsource information, um, it's gonna help us all. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that you're utilizing the group for what it's intended to be. And like, you're a contributor to that. So, um, cause it also takes being active in it and just like having that philosophy and, and, um, believing it and, and practicing it. Um, so I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. we, we ask everybody on the podcast the same question at the end of the episode. Um, I'm so sad that we're already at the end of this episode. I feel like we could keep <laughs> chatting for a while. Um, I'm sure everyone listening is really excited to hear your thoughts on this question. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Figure out what you're passionate about and dive in. Um, I think I spent a lot of time figuring out, you know, what was going to make money or what was, you know, a, a reasonable career, what was going to provide stability or what was going to make my parents happy. And ultimately, I think you can achieve 
all of those things by following your passions and diving into what you are excited about. And I think that's really the only way to build a life, right? Like if you are miserable, but you have stability and your parents are proud of you, like it's nothing. So I would say like, focus on what you're passionate about, dive in, become an expert, and then you can build a career around that. That is such good advice. Thank you so, so much for just being so candid and open um, on in our discussion today. I like these are episodes that people are going to really, really benefit from. And thank you. And thank you also for being so passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Um, like everyone is supposed to be passionate about different things, but be passionate about what's important to you and stick to it and really make strides. And it sounds like you're doing all of those things. Um, so thank you for everything that you're contributing to the industry. Genuinely, like we need more people like you. Um, how can everybody get in touch with you? I know that people are going to want to, um, and, uh, and they should. So what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah. Send me a message on LinkedIn. It's Katie Welts. And, um, I'm also on Instagram. My handle is everybody needs a Katie. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Um, we will link all those of course in the show notes below. Katie, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. And thank you so, so much. Jesse, thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info was all together. Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen Social Security number? Not me. Nope. Nuh-uh. Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here.